so good to be with you here today. It's good to hear, good to, good to look out there and see your smiling faces. Hear the fellowship. Now it's time for us to center ourselves and center our thoughts and minds around why you're actually here. And I know this is why you're here this morning, which is to worship and praise our God. Those leading us today, we have Gibson uh, Foster, who will be leading our singing. Toy Far will be saying our opening prayer. Drew Bruce will read our scriptures. Ken Forrest, of course, will have our lesson this morning. Chris Langley will have the Lord's Supper. And um, Todd Sweeney will be doing our announcements this morning. At least that's who's on the list. That may change, but that's who's on the list. In Philippians chapter 4, simple verse says in uh, verse 4 rejoice in the Lord always and again I say rejoice we have so many reasons to be thankful this morning and to rejoice one is just for being here and having the opportunity and I kind of hesitate to just call out one person but we're so thankful that Jim Thomas is sitting over here with us this morning and uh, I know a lot of prayers have been sent up on behalf of Jim and not just him, but there's so many others, and I, and I apologize for not calling out everybody who maybe is here that hasn't been able to be here. But a couple of weeks ago, we didn't know if Mr. Jim was going to make it. But not only has he made it, he got home yesterday, apparently, from the hospital and said he was coming to church this morning, just like you wanted to do as well. And uh, for that, we rejoice. All right, before Gibson gets up here and leads us in song, would you please bow with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we are extremely thankful for this opportunity to praise you and to glorify you and to worship you. And so our prayer this morning is, as we start that, that we will clear our minds and our hearts. and We will focus on you. We will focus on the different aspects of worship that we're going to go through to glorify you. And uh, we pray that all that we do this morning will be pleasing in your sight because we love you so much. And it's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Good morning. The first song today will be Our God, He is Alive. Let's all sing. There is beyond the azure blue a God who's the from human side.
next song this morning will be Home of the Soul. If for the prize we have striven after our labors are o'er, rest to our souls will be given the eternal shore. Home of the soul, beautiful home, there we shall rest, never to roam, free of all happy and bright. Jesus is there, he is the pray for each and every soul in this body. Father, as we start this day, we do so and glorify your name. And it is only through you and your son that we can do this. Father, I hope that if there be someone here today that things that are said by Brother Forrest that you might touch their heart before it's everlasting too late. If anyone be here today, let them know that we're here for them. Father, I pray for the folks overseas, especially in Israel this morning. Be with the leaders of this country and may they find a way to help the people in Israel. Father, if there be someone sick here today, we pray for them. As we go through this day, I pray for Brother Foster and that you might give him a ready recollection of the words that he has prepared for us today. But most of all, Father, we are here to glorify you, your Son, and your name. And we thank thee for thy Son, Jesus Christ, who came and died for our sins. And all this I hold in your holy name. Amen. The invitation song will be Have You Been to Jesus, 904. The song before Mr. Ken's lessons today will be 662, All to Jesus I Surrender. All to Jesus I surrender all 
to him I freely give. I will ever love and trust him in his presence daily. I surrender all. I surrender all. One through four. Hebrews chapter one, verses one through four. I'll be reading from the Christian standard. Long ago, God spoke to our ancestors by the prophets at different times and in different ways. In these last days, He has spoken to us by His Son. God has appointed Him heir to all things and made, made the universe through Him. The Son is, is the radiance of God's glory and the exact expression of His nature, sustaining all things by His powerful word. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. So he became superior to the angels, just as his name he inherited is more excellent than theirs. Thank you, Drew. Good morning, everyone. It's so good to see you today. The Brumleys are here today with practically an entire pew. And listen, we are so glad to see you guys back. It is just, it's fabulous. They should make a TV show about you guys. It's wonderful to have you here. And what Aaron said about Jim Thomason, I, I walked across here and I saw him. I was like, really? And so... Here's kind of the rest of the story. You know, the doctors and all, they're like, yeah, you know, go home, take it easy, kind of go to church. 
well, you know, don't overdo it and kind of, you know, you want to ease back into it, kind of go to church. He's here at church today. To all of us, let that be a testament to us. Yes? What would keep me from being here? A massive heart attack? Just got out of the hospital ICU yesterday? No, that will not keep me from assembling with the saints on the first day of the week. I'm not necessarily advising that, Jim, but I'm saying it is an incredible testament to all of us. What an example. Brian Rowland is going to the doctor this week. He's having some problems with his foot again. It involves infection and it's just hard to heal. We are praying that he'll get good news, okay? He's concerned, but he's here today too. And he would like to hear this congregation praying on his behalf. And so we're going to do just that. And then another story involving a ladder. <laughs> so Carolyn Ligon fell yesterday. She didn't break anything, we don't think, but she is, what do we say? Stove up. So please remember her as she is, I don't know, unstoving. <laughs> but we pray that she will be okay. And again, if she could be here, she would be here. And Cassie Stewart really reminded me of something that we should be praying for. So Maddie Jane Jones has attended here sporadically. She was actually here last Sunday. But roughly a year ago, her son, Kirby Carpenter, was murdered in his front lawn. And at the time, uh, there were no leads. In fact, I, I preached that funeral, which I just cannot begin to tell you how difficult that was. Well, it's been a year now, and the authorities have some significant leads. So I, I don't even know how to address it other than just to try to sympathize with all the things that are happening. First of all, it's a year anniversary, and coming into the holidays and all that, that's just a, that's just a tough thing. You, you know, you have loved ones that... You pine over. You remember how special they were to you. And it's just this time of family and reunion just makes it that much more difficult. So there's that. And then there's the reopening of what is just an excruciating kind of wound. And the potential for justice, which is what they were seeking so long ago. Now, maybe they're on the cusp of that. It's just a lot to think about for Maddie. So... We want to pray for her this morning, too. And then I want to share this with you. Typically, we have four fifth Sundays in a year. But guess what? This year we have five. And the fifth one is this month. 
So next year, because we have this fifth Sunday so late in the year, that pushes all the fifth Sundays for next year down a little bit. And turns out, so the mission committee generally has a fifth Sunday that comes in around April, March, April, May, something in there. This year, it's not coming until June. A lot of what we do as a mission team, as a congregation of mission workers, depends on that fifth Sunday contribution. Well, the elders, in their infinite wisdom, decided that this fifth Sunday is going to be a mission Sunday. Yes! So, thinking from now until the 31st of how you can help support the mission work of this congregation. Now, you know me, I get so excited about missions that when we come together, I'm like, what, what, can, you know, what can we spend our money? What can, what can we do? Well, we had a contribution, a sizable contribution come in a month or two ago, going to apply that toward work that Terry Smith was doing. He gave a report, told us about a school building they were building. We contacted him, hey, we're gonna help you, Terry. Oh, I secured funds for that from another congregation. Bummer, how can we help then? Well, you know what? We are also thinking about, in conjunction with that building, building offices, a library, and so forth. Could you help with that? Yes, sign us up. We want to help. And so, crazy me, crazy me, not only did we send that sizable contribution we just went ahead and counted on what you're going to do the fifth Sunday. I know, terrible idea, terrible idea, Ken. Why did you do it? Let's do it anyway, because we have faith and trust that God's going to provide. So we sent $10,000 in order to see to the building of buildings. And now we're looking to the fifth Sunday. And we're anticipating that this congregation not only is going to cover uh, what our hopes and dreams are in this moment, but that we are going to give deeply and passionately, enthusiastically to see that the gospel is spread maybe even into new areas. Yes? Well, I heard one enthusiastic amen. Yes? Yes, we're going to. It's going to be amazing. So I can't wait to see what happens. And then there's this thing today. This is the last part. There's this thing today. It is an open house. Really, it's basically an open living room and kitchen. <laughs> but it's at our house, and we would love for you to come. If you don't know where we live, kind of like the FedEx people, then you ask me. <laughs> okay, good. Sorry about that if you work for FedEx, but you know what I'm talking about. So anyway... Uh, if you don't know where we live, uh, ask uh, me or Anita and we'll give you directions. We'd love for you to come. If, just stop by and say hello, eat a cookie. All right, let's pray about these pertinent things and then let's enter into our study of God's word, what he has in store for us today. Our Father in heaven, thank you for the blessing of this new day. Thank you for privilege, the the delight it is to assemble with the saints. We're thankful, Father, as we look over this audience of people that are, are back. We're thankful the Brumleys are here with their children, the good news of James's adoption, all those things that have happened to their blessing 
it's our blessing too, because they're a part of us. We rejoice with them. We rejoice that we see Jim Thomason here today with his wife, and we pray, Father, your blessings on his health and strength, and thank you for the tremendous faith that he has to be able to be here and to encourage us with his presence. We pray, Father, that you will bless Brian as he's seeing a doctor this week. We pray that he'll get good news and whatever treatment's necessary to address the infections that are ongoing, we pray that that will be an easy resolve for him. We pray for Carolyn Ligon, who fell and injured herself. We pray, Lord, that you'll bless her with strength and recovery and that she can be back with us quickly. We also pray, Father, for Maddie Jones and the multitude of emotions that she's experiencing now. And we just pray, Lord, that you will bless and encourage her. And uh, people like Cassie, who are very close to her, I especially pray, Lord, that you will give her the kind of a sympathetic heart that can be a balm to the injuries that she has sustained emotionally. And that through that, that she might find healing spiritually here with us. Lord, I pray that you will be with us in our study here today. Your word is powerful and it moves us. I pray, Lord, that you will help me to communicate this message today in such a way as it will motivate all of us to seek to understand your will more, to grasp your message. Help us, Lord, through this, if nothing else, but to understand that there is no hindrance that exists to our ascertaining and applying your word, none whatsoever. I pray, Lord, that you'll be with those who hear this message, that it will touch their heart where it needs to, and that whatever foibles I'm responsible for, that you'll eliminate those, not let them be a hindrance, so that your word will prevail. Thank you for the blessings all around in so many different areas. In Jesus' name, amen. The text that Drew read for us a moment ago, appreciate the interesting change in translation. The one that I read from is the New King James translation. And I find it interesting that that entire text, pretty lengthy, four verses, it's all one sentence. God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and express image of his person, upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become so much more glorified as he has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. So four verses, 
full of descriptors. If you were to take those verses and boil them down, that is take out all of the little sections that just describe various important components of that text, kind of the, the framework of that text, you could boil all those verses down into this one simple statement, the statement that really is the point of those four verses. God has spoken to us by his son. That's the message of those four verses. But, but here's what happens a lot of times. Probably what has happened in Bible classes that you've been through. Instead of seeing the entire sentence and what might actually be the import of that text, they'll analyze every single word maybe and give you a history lesson and a lot of different components that make what is otherwise supposed to be a very simple statement very complicated. And we walk away from a study like that feeling a little bit dizzy without having really gotten the point that was actually being pushed to begin with. Now, all of those extra bits of information just kind of uphold, give credibility to the statement that's being made, but at the very root of it, God has spoken to us by his son. Simple. I wonder how many people come to the word of God trying to understand it, but actually come away frustrated and probably get to the point where they convince themselves after enough of those kinds of exercises where they convince themselves, wait a minute, I, I just... I can't understand the Bible. I can't understand the Word of God. It's too, it's too deep for me, too much. I'm wondering specifically today if that actually might be you. Are you one of those people? Despite being here, being a place where you're convinced you ought to be, despite that, is it true that when you study the Bible that you come away feeling frustrated? You don't feel like you really can grasp the Word of God like you feel like you ought to? Listen, if, if I am convinced, if I believe that when I go to the Word of God and I read it and I study it, that I will come away with understanding. If, if I just start from that place, then the likelihood is that I'm going to keep on studying it because I believe that I'm developing an understanding of it, so I'm going to keep studying it. I, I am, as a result of that study and the study of others, will develop a like mind, and that's going to contribute to unity. And then I just know from a study of the scriptures themselves that there is blessing that comes out of study. So if I could just, if I could just convince myself 
that reading and studying the Word of God is ultimately going to result in understanding, then I know that I'm going to be better for it. I'm going to be more engaged in the Word, and then I'm going to continue growing. I'm going to see unity because we're all thinking the same thing, and then there will be blessedness. You and I can understand and know what it is that God wants us to know from his word. I can understand the Bible. But in order to do so, I'm also going to have to understand the message. So I want to look at several components of that message that are important for us to understand. For instance... You and I, we need to understand the mystery of God's message. You say, well, there you go. Absolutely, Ken. The Word of God is, whoo, it is mysterious. It's like when I read it, it just kind of blows my mind. And I hear people trying to explain various components of it, and I just don't get it. So it is like a, it is a mystery to me. Do you see it that way? Do you see the Bible as a a mysterious grouping of books? It might be if you see it that way that it creates a little bit of fear or trepidation on your part in your approach to the Word of God. feel like it's so mysterious that you couldn't possibly ever get a grasp of it, and so you couldn't get to the point where you understand Well, the Bible does talk about mysteries for sure, but I want us to be assured that the Bible doesn't see itself as a mysterious thing. Let's be careful here. The Bible itself is not a mysterious thing, but the Bible does set out from the very beginning all the way to the end to reveal for us certain mysteries that exist. What do you mean by that exactly? Well, I'm first thinking about what is, I guess, biblically the greatest mystery of all. It's pointed to in Colossians chapter 1, verses 26 and 27, and this is actually directed to the Gentiles. And it is this, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now, you say, Ken, what's so mysterious about that? I'm going to think that you and I, we've been studying these matters long enough that it's no longer technically a mystery for us. But biblically speaking, what is described right here in these two verses is the mystery of all the ages. It is the very reason that Jesus came and died on that cross. And all of history was pointing to it. And then all of history after it pointed back to it. Well, what is that? And that is the idea that God wasn't just favoring one people as he was using the Jews to be a mechanism or as Galatians 3 describes it, a school bus to bring us to Christ. No, the idea is that God had anticipated the salvation of all people. But in order, to, in order to establish that process, God segregated for himself a people within whom would be vested the seed. And ultimately that seed would be revealed through many generations to be Jesus, 
Christ, the Son of God. But the story did not stop there. The Jews who were converted to Christianity thought that, wow, you know, we've got the inroad. We've got it. We're it. But actually, the gospel message was not just for the Jews. Turns out, and here's the mystery of it, that it was also for the Gentiles. That's elaborated on a little bit more in the book of Ephesians, chapter 3, verses 4 to 6. And we find out that it is God who revealed these things to the apostles and the prophets. What was he revealing? That the Gentiles, well, they would also be heirs. And that they would be partakers of the promises that are vested, watch this, in Christ through the gospel. In other words, the great mystery of all ages was something that you and I probably don't even think of as a mystery anymore. To us, especially, I guess, because at least the majority of us would be considered to be Gentiles, we are the beneficiaries of the promises of God throughout all time. And so for us, it's not really a mystery. It's just the good news, you know, the, the gospel of Jesus Christ, going and preaching the gospel to every nation. We all get that. But biblically speaking, that was an incredible mystery that even the angels wanted to grasp and understand until such time as it was revealed and laid bare for all to see. When the Apostle Paul thought back about that mystery and he was encouraging Timothy in his own teaching, and Timothy's going to be preaching among the Gentiles primarily, and he's going to have his own struggles. But as we know, we've got to keep our focus on Jesus because ultimately that was going to be the hope of all the nations. The Apostle Paul kind of took what is... You know, this grand mystery, and he condenses it into a one-verse statement in 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16. He says, and great is the mystery of godliness. And here it is. God was manifested in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen by angels, preached among the Gentiles, believed on in the world, and received up in glory. A mystery that began from before the foundation of the world, unraveled through eons of time, now basically resolved in one verse of Scripture. Actually, now that you think of it, something so great a mystery, what's so... What's so mysterious about it? Understanding the mysteries relegated down to a verse of Scripture, that helps us to understand and know the message of God. Look, if I want to understand the Bible, if I want to understand God's Word, then I'm going to understand the revelation of God's message. Okay, now we're talking. Revelation. That's a scary word too associated with the Bible. So what's going on there? I want to say at the outset of our discussion here 
that the understanding of God's word is not relegated to a handful of super educated theologians who sit back in some monastery or some secluded place and just kind of distribute little bits of information to the masses. That is not what God has done. In fact, very much to the contrary. God has determined not the elite among us, but the very simple were to be those who took into themselves the message of the Word of God. That should tell us something about God's intention with His Word. Was it written to confuse? Or was it written to, to cause us great disturbance mentally? No. The Word of God was written in such a way that the simple person, the very common person, could receive it and ingest it. That ought to tell us something about some of the handling of God's Word. Jesus said it himself as he's reflecting on his own ministry in Matthew chapter 11 and verse 25. He's praying to God and he says, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you've hidden these things from the wise and prudent and have revealed them to babes. God, I thank you, in other words, you, you didn't call down you know, the chief priest and his minions in order to reveal your truth to him. Uh, you, you didn't call together the Sanhedrin and have an address to lay out your plan and then they would... Do, no, you went, you went to the simple people. You went to the common man. You expressed your truth. In fact, what, what did God do? He sent his son so that people could handle him. John chapter 1, verse 14, we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus wasn't necessarily just going around as a walking Bible quoting Old Testament scripture, but he was living it out in their very presence. Not living it out in, in support of scholarly attitudes toward the Old Testament scriptures, but actually revealing what God's mind was about it and teaching, teaching those concepts in very simple stories, like with the parables and various illustrations. Simple, simple, simple. The Apostle Paul said that the gospel was that kind of simple message as well. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, beginning verse 20. Where's the wise? Where's the scribe? Where's the disputer of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God, it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. For Jews request a sign and Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified. To the Jews, a stumbling block, and to the Greeks, foolishness. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God, stronger than men. It is not peering down from a lofty height that makes God's word appealing to folks. It is the fact that it meets us where we are. Eye has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us through his spirit. For the spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. 
For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man that is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit that comes from God, that we may know the things that have been given to us freely by God. These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can they be, for they are spiritually discerned. 1 Corinthians 2, verses 9 through 14. Now in that text, we're reminded, wait a minute, wait a minute. So a person doesn't just kind of sit around and and wait for God just to fill his mind with spiritual things. He said, it does not happen that way. It isn't by what you've seen or what you've heard, not even by sitting around and letting it come into your heart. He says what, what the word of God does is come to us through a process of communication. That is, it originates with the Father. It is transfused through Jesus Christ and it is distributed by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, according to Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 17, has the word of God, which is it's a sword. And that sword, according to Hebrews 4 verse 12, The sword of God is living and it is powerful. It is sharper than two-edged sword, dividing even soul and spirit, joints and marrow. He says it is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Anyone who just says, well, you know, I was just sitting around. The word of the Lord came to me. False, wrong, wait, stop. (laughs) No, God revealed that through his spirit. His spirit communicated that through Jesus, as we saw Hebrews chapter one, and through these apostles and prophets. They then proceeded to write down these things and that has come to us. The very word of which we speak this morning, the thing that ought to be the very focus of our understanding. And I think Peter, probably under pressure, you know, he's come along. He, he was that disciple, but he was very flighty. And isn't that the guy who denied the Lord three times? And now he's standing up and he's preaching the gospel on the day of Pentecost. What's with that guy? Peter said, don't get the wrong idea about me. Second Peter 1, beginning verse 16. He says, for we did not follow cunningly devised fables when we made known to you the power and coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received from God honor and glory. When such a voice came to him from the excellent glory, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And we heard this voice which came from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. And so we have the prophetic word confirmed, which you do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place till the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of scripture is of any private interpretation for prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. There is not one man living or dead who had the capacity to speak for God except that God told him his own mind. Peter says, don't look to me as though I am an original source. I am not. I just communicate the things that were delivered to me. I speak 
where God, where God has already spoken. Look, if, if I want to If I want to understand the Bible, I'm going to have to be a person who understands revelation. Revelation is a revealing of things. God reveals it to me. It is not some mystery. It is what God is telling me, he thinks. And if if I'm going to understand the Bible, then I'm going to go about attempting to understand the process of God's message. The process of God's message. Well, I'll just go ahead and lay it out here. Here is the process. And I want to take this from Ephesians 3 and verse 4. You could get it from a lot of different places. It's just really two things, a two-step process. Read and understand. Or when I say understand, I'm talking about knowing something. Read it and know it. Ken, what's the process of understanding the Word of God? Read it and then apply yourself to it and you will know it. There's your process. It's pretty simple, yes? Pretty simple process. Did you know that the word read actually means to know again? To know again. Uh, For instance, I I don't know who your favorite author is, but you've heard that your author is coming out with a new book and I don't know, there's a book sale nearby. So you go to the bookstore and there's the book. And so you buy the book and with great anticipation, you go home. Maybe you, you know, set your area just right and get, get in your little comfort zone. You open it up and you start reading the words that are printed there. Reading is to know again. So when he was writing that manuscript, he was also in his comfort zone somewhere, probably got his things laid out just like he likes them. If it involves some research in order to develop, he's got his research laying around there where he can easily get to it and refresh his mind. So he just starts reading. Out of his mind, he fashions words and he puts them on the page. And ultimately, those words that were original with him, that he planted on that page, ended up in that book that you now have in your possession. You have no idea what's in here. You open it up and you start reading again the original thoughts. It is like you are thinking the thoughts that he thought as he was writing them. So as I'm reading those statements, they're fresh for me. I am knowing again what he knew to start with. So that was his original thought. It was put on the page. Now I take that original thought and guess what? It becomes my thought. How many of you, I I could probably ask about your favorite author, you would say a particular book that you love, and you could quote to me certain passages out of that book that you love so much. That's because what thoughts he had put on the page, you have now taken and they've become your thoughts. 
And probably even in your normal speech, you use phrases out of the things that they wrote. They were their thoughts. Now they've become your thoughts. So what happens when we go to the Word of God? The Word of God is that place where God used the Holy Spirit, according to 1 Corinthians 2, to compare spiritual things with spiritual Another way of putting that is that God has all of these spiritual thoughts that are beyond our comprehension. And what the Holy Spirit has done is taken that, that enormous, that vast uh, uh, bounty of knowledge of spiritual things, and he has translated that into spiritual words that you and I can read and understand. And the idea is that when we read it and we understand it, what happens? Those were original with God. Now they've become my words too. They are feeding my soul. That's why it is so frustrating when you have to encourage Christian people to read their Bible. Read your Bible. Why do I want you to read your Bible? Do I want it because I, I want to say, well, a show of hands of who's done this or that. Oh, we have 15. That's wonderful. Boy, I'm doing a good job getting them to read that Bible. Not that. Do we do it because... You know, maybe we want to start in January and have a reading program so that at the end we can say, well, 50 of our members read through the whole Bible. That is not the reason for reading. The, reading the scriptures is not an academic exercise wherein I just kind of go through it. I, I get the credit for it. I can put my name on a list that said I accomplished it and I'm finished. The reason that we are encouraged to read those scriptures is because of what Hebrews 4.12 said about that word that you're reading. It's living and it's powerful. As you read those words that the Holy Spirit took from an infinite source of knowledge related to spiritual things, when he took that and he fashioned them into words that you and I can read and understand, he did that to transform us. So when I'm encouraging people to read their Bible, it's not just so I can say, well, we read so many chapters or, or we spent this much time. It is for our spiritual nourishment. It's for our spiritual understanding. Say, I don't understand the Bible. The first thing I think is, you're not reading your Bible. Ken, I've read through the Bible 16 times. Yeah, but what do you understand about the Bible? What did you grasp when you read that Bible, Luke chapter 10, verses 25 and 26, really tells us all we need to know about this subject. Luke 10, 25 and 26. So this lawyer, he, he comes to Jesus, and boy, he's going to be all authoritative. So he stands up, and he is set to test Jesus. And so he asks Jesus, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And, and I'm thinking in his own mind, 
It's like these days, you know, that mic drop. He thinks he's really got Jesus. You know, he grabs the mic. What shall I do to inherit eternal life? Boom. Jesus turns and asks him two questions. What is written in the law? What is your reading of it? I can imagine that that guy felt pretty foolish after that. I'm pretty sure that he could quote exactly what is written. I've read it. I've acknowledged it. I've written it down myself. I know what's written. But Jesus is asking, yeah, I know you know what's written. I know, you, I know you've read it. But what is your reading of it? What is your understanding of what you have read? I do this sometimes, and I don't know. I, I do it maybe just kind of a kick for myself. But I realize that maybe when somebody's put on the spot, it's a little bit unnerving. Sometimes, some of you have been little guinea pigs. You'll come through the auditorium saying, shake my hand. Hey, Ken, great sermon today. And you know what just happened. I ask you, what was it about? Uh, uh, sin? <laughs> you know, uh. Now, some of you have become wise to it now. You really pay attention. And, and let me say that I'm getting tons of these little um, sheets, my scripture sermon scribes who are filling out, they are paying attention. There are little children in this congregation that can tell you every single point of the sermon every Sunday. They keep notes of what's going on. They write down the scriptures. They know who it is that we're praying for. They know the, the interesting, challenging words that we are discussing. They have questions about things they don't understand. But what I'm asking is not about a sermon that we just heard. You have read the scriptures. You have read through the Bible how many times? But the question is, have you read that? Do you know what's written? The question is, what have you learned from it? What do you understand about it? My friend Robert Martin was in the Fiji Islands back in those days. You didn't have the internet. You could call on a phone, but it was more like a two-way radio. So you would talk and you would say over and then you would wait maybe a minute to hear the other person start talking. It, it was I, I got on the tail end of that kind of communication. It was, it was weird. But he was studying the book of Revelation. And so he called his good friend and mentor, Franklin Camp. And, you know, they're going back and forth like this. You know, say a thing, over, say a thing, over, back and forth. A minute probably costs, I don't know, $10, $15 a minute. So it's very important. I speak with you, Brother Camp. I trust your interpretation and work in the book of Revelation. And so he described for him what text he was looking at. And can you help me out? Can you tell me what this means? So after he had spent all this time and all this money explaining this question, finally, Brother Camp comes back. 
How much have you studied this text? Over. Well, Robert hadn't studied it at all. He just read the first little bit of it. He's like, I don't know what that means. I need to call somebody for an answer. And so then Robert, in his next foray of words, begins to explain why it is that he hadn't done his due diligence. And boy, he really needed some help. And then when he finished, Franklin Camp came back and said, do the work over That's pretty good advice, isn't it? I love what Ephesians 3 and verse, or Ephesians 1 verse 18 says, that your eyes, the eyes of your understanding may be, this word, enlightened. The eyes of your understanding, enlightened. For a thing to be enlightened is, is basically turn it on. Turn on your understanding. Paul says, boy, I want to see that. I want to see your eyes light up with understanding. If that's what's going to happen with us, all of us, we're going to have to be reading that word for the purpose of understanding. And then when we understand it, then we act on it. Here's here's what I like to do. I like to remember that when I'm reading this word, and I think this is part of the enlightening aspect of it, when I read this word, I know that God is speaking to me. It may have originally been directed to somebody, but I know this was also the work of the Holy Spirit. This word that I am reading has something in it for me. I hope that we would respond to that idea with something that the very young Samuel said in 1 Samuel chapter 3 and verse 10. He said, speak, for your servant hears. Do you hear the Lord today? in his word. If you're a child of God and you've not done your due diligence, then I'm hoping that as you anticipate you know, a new year, fresh beginnings, all of that, that you'll not wait till January to do it. You will seek the Lord. You'll read the scripture, not just to finish a few pages of it, but to gain understanding that will change you spiritually. And if you're not a child of God today and you have sat through sermon after sermon after sermon, hearing the pleas of preacher after preacher regarding the gospel, do you not know that that is the very message which was the mystery of all the ages presented to you? Honestly, it it goes beyond belief for me that anybody who would hear the gospel and know the price that was paid to make it alive and effectual would ever refuse it. But today gives you another opportunity to refuse it if you want to. But if your heart is open to the sacrifice of Jesus, you're ready to turn away from your sin. If today you're ready to confess your faith that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that God raised him from the dead 
Today you can be buried in this water. It's already ready. Immersed in the death, the burial of Jesus Christ. In that place, you'll have your sins washed away. And when you rise up, the blood of Jesus Christ will have cleansed you from your sins. You will have become a new creature, resurrected to new life. That can be yours today in response to the word that has been shared with you. Let's make the word alive in us today. Let's respond if you need to while we stand together and sing. this morning of, uh, you know, Mr. Jim being here and Miss Vicki, and they've been here with us for, I don't know, probably a couple of months now, right? Y'all been around for a couple of months. And, um, you know, we've been talking to them about the potential of placing membership here with us. And um, I'm so thankful that that's a desire of theirs. And they just handed me this card. And so, you know, our process here you know, as an eldership is that we, we want to make sure we meet with them. We want to make sure we give them the proper, you know, opportunity to ask us a few more questions. But I am excited today about this, you know, their request and, and about their desire to be a part of our family. And isn't that amazing? Um, and if I can just tell just a little backstory. 
Uh, when I was preaching at Foot Street, that's when I met Mr. Jim and Miss Vicky. And then they, they, after about a month of me being there, they weren't there anymore. So, <laughs> or a couple months after being there. And so I, I had to ask, well, did, did I say something or did I, did I do something wrong? And when I came here and saw them here, uh, I said, well, look, y'all can't run from me anymore. You know that. <laughs> and uh, they, they reassured me that it wasn't because of my bad preaching. Uh, that's the reason why they ran off from Foot Street. They're just looking for a church home and a church family. And that's what they told me when I got to talk to them here. And uh, I hope you know how much. We may not know you, but just for a couple of months, but I hope the love and the prayers and everything that we have tried to show you over the last couple of months tell you that you don't have to look any further for a church home. So we're going to meet with you, and, and we'll have that conversation, give you all a chance to talk to us and give us a chance to talk to you, and then uh, more to come on all of that. But such an exciting morning. I'm so excited to receive this card. And I'm so excited that I've been able to talk to you about this experience here. So we'll just say a quick prayer on this request and uh, give us an opportunity to pray for Brother Jim again. Okay. Bow your head, please. Dear Heavenly Father, what's on my heart and what's on our heart this morning as we lift up this prayer to you is I am just so thankful for the congregation that meets here in Boonville. I'm so thankful for the love that we have for one another, for the desire that we have to to know and understand your word and then to apply that to our lives and to not just as us as individuals but as a group of people following you. And I'm so thankful that we have others like Mr. Jim and Miss Vicky who, who want to be a part of that congregation, a part of your congregation that meets here. And um, Father, we know, we understand, you know, our role and as the church and as your church and um, just thankful for every member that's a member of it or part of it. Father, as this gives us another opportunity to lift Mr. Jim and Miss Vicki up to you. So thankful for their desire to serve you and to love you and to be a part of, you know, a congregation working to, 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 to further your kingdom. And so just want to Thank you for the blessing of having them a part of our number here. I want to thank you for the blessing of taking care of them through the last few weeks of their lives. And, Father, we want to give you the glory and just thank you so much for having your hand over Mr. Jim and, and being with Miss Vicki and giving her the strength she needs to take care of him and all the doctors and everything else. And we really want to make sure this morning we say thank you. Thank you for taking care of them and taking care of us. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. The song before the Lord's Supper this morning will be When My Love for Christ Grows Weak, three, number 350.
Bibles and care to turn to Luke chapter 24. We'll read the first verses of that chapter. Each one of the four Gospels has uh, talks about this uh, one event, and I could choose any of them, but I decided to choose this one today. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came to the tomb. This is Mary, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome. They came to the tomb, bringing the spices they had prepared. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. They went in, but did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, suddenly two men stood by them in dazzling clothes. So the women were terrified, bowed down and bowed down to the ground. I just skipped the uh, emblem thing. If you haven't had a em- don't have an emblem, please raise your hand, and uh, the ushers will give you one. We'll continue reading. Why are you looking for the living among the dead? Asked the man. He is not here, but he is risen. Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee, saying, It is necessary for the Son of Man be betrayed into the hands of sinful men, be crucified, and rise on the third day. And they remembered his words. So we talked about a lesson today, God's message. We hear the message. We hear the stories of Christ's life here on earth. We hear, we read the Bible about his death and his sacrifice for us. It's been almost 2,000 years since these women remembered his words. So as we hear about 2,000 years later, since Christ was lived on this earth, died, and was buried in a tomb, which no one man or probably several men could roll away. It took an angel from heaven to roll that stone away. It caused a mighty great earthquake, earthquake to be felt in the land when he did it. And then our Savior rose again. Why seek the living with the dead? Let's remember that as we protect this cup. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we ask your blessings on this bread, which represents Christ's body that came to this earth, came down from heaven, because he loved us so much that he knew that he needed to be a sacrifice for our sins and the sins of mankind throughout eternity. Heavenly Father, we remember his words and we remember his death, but more importantly, we remember his resurrection. As we partake of this, may we glorify him as he is in heaven. This is our prayer in your son's name. Amen. And now we'll continue our thanks for the bread. I mean, I'm sorry, the blood. Heavenly Father, in like manner, we ask your blessings on this cup, which is the fruit of the vine, which represents our Savior's blood that was shed for our sins. May we do this in a manner well-pleasing in your sight. This is our prayer in your Son's name. Amen.
Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for this day and the many blessings you've bestowed upon us. We pause now to give back a portion of that which you've blessed us with. Watch over us now as we do so and let us do so in accordance with your will. For us in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Good morning. Do have just a few announcements before we're dismissed. Uh, there are announcements on the back of the bulletin. Uh, you can look at those. Uh, the young-ish adults will have their Christmas uh, get-together tonight immediately following class. It will be at Vivid Studio in downtown. Bring a finger food if you'd like to attend. See Laura Crocker if you have any questions. We did have 322 in worship today. Violet Kavnis was recently diagnosed with colon cancer. Her daughter Evelyn requested that we add her to our prayer list. The Golden Circle luncheon will be in the Annex Tuesday at 11.30. Zandra Huddleston passed away recently. We need to keep this family in our prayers. If you'll bow with me, we'll close with a word of prayer. Most beautiful, loving, and gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this day that we got to come together this morning and worship you. God, we're thankful for Ken this morning and the lesson that he provided that just shows us just how clear and simple your word is. And we're thankful for that, God. We're thankful that your word points to your son, Jesus, the wonder of his birth, the perfection of his life while he walked here on earth, the pain and cruelty of his death, and the miracle of the empty tomb in his resurrection. And your word tells us clearly that the only way to you is through your son. We wear the name Church of Christ. God, our prayer is that we live up to that standard. We pray that we worship according to your will. And God, when we leave here, 
We pray that we walk in a way that's pleasing unto you. Please forgive us of our sins and where we failed you. In Jesus' name, amen.